0: Hey, welcome to Being Creative. My name is Rick Leaf. As you know, I am the host of this show where we explore the Oh god. Oh lord. So hey, gonna be honest, it didn't work. You remember how the intro went. You know, we're going to explore the value of creativity through uh, stories of successes and failures of people like us or not like us at all. Yeah, that part. See, no one wanted to share their stories. Uh, Most people don't believe that they have a great story. (laughs) And other people love their story, but they tell themselves that no one else will be interested in it. A holy ton of people just refuse to even entertain the idea that their story, their successes or failures or frustrations or loneliness or victories have any merit at all. and then there's the expectations maybe they've heard a podcast or two or i think that every podcast has to be like that podcast but they're not that kind of guest or co-host or storyteller so they convince themselves that they can't podcast (laughs) it's been madness madness i tell you madness So what is a cute little podcaster with a rakish scarf to do, but go back to the drawing board and scratch out some new plan uh, with naughty, you know, inappropriate innuendos and the speech bubbles and all that jazz. Maybe dial in some new music, yeah. Uh, Pivot, as those Silicon Valley kids like to say, even though personally, I think the Silicon Valley kids are the freaking worst. Ah. Anyway, this episode, I'm starting over from scratch because everybody sucks, except me, of course. Look, I might not know where I'm going. I might not know how I'm gonna get there or what I'm gonna do if I ever arrive, but gosh darn it, I'm gonna have a great time while I'm at it, and if that sounds like an interesting way to spend the next hour, then climb aboard this Cluster mug Express Because we're going to ride the rails like a bunch of creative hobos and rubbies and uh, see where the journey takes us. So without further ado, let's go. I'm glad you're here. So I am glad that all three of you are here. (laughs) here. I don't have the highest uh, listenership, to be honest. So I just really appreciate all three of you really matter. And, uh, and I really appreciate you. Um, <clears throat> you know, my desk, my bedside table, my travel bags, my suitcases, they all have bits of paper with ideas, uh, that were written down frantically in haste. Um, and I just found one where I'd written, who draws the lines for your life? And if it's not sort of immediately obvious to you what I would be talking about, I can tell from that little note that I'd been contemplating the idea of normal really as a narrow construct. Essentially, I think normal is really this thin, narrow definition which exists solely for the purpose of excluding people, to leave as many people... Um, as possible, drawn outside those lines. Uh, and then through marketing and, and whatnot, pressure is applied to those drawn outside the margins to desire being inside, to the point where they'll buy or sell or pursue or adopt virtually any asinine product or service that they believe will be their golden ticket, awarding them admission to the great club of normal. So, when I'm talking about who draws the lines for your life, uh, it's, uh, yeah, are you drawing yourselves uh, in the margins where you're just a passive observer of the events of your own life, Uh, uh, a a powerless spectator, as it were, (laughs) or are you, you know, on the court or on the field in the the heat of every single play call and every sort of strategy uh, to to move forward because the stories uh, we tell ourselves are powerful so whether it's the beginning of this year which is exactly like the end of last year you know i appreciate the fact that we're looking for markers along the way to like maybe indicate how far whatever we've come or how different we are i i'm sure that we've many of us at least have realized that you know the the turning of the clock on a new year doesn't really change anything um we could change it if we, like, start asking better questions, maybe. So uh, I was just thinking, you know, what story are you living? What story are you telling yourself? What story are you telling others about yourself? Um, you, I have this little riff. I'm sure some of you have seen me, like, play around with it on Instagram and different places. But it... Uh, it's it goes uh something happens it means nothing so we make up a story for what it means the story creates our world the world creates our reality and what is and isn't possible this is life now i i like that um because well a because i memorized it (laughs) and i find myself so clever with words no i i like it um because it's reusable, it, it comes up over and over again, whether it's a political story that that we're listening to or adopting or telling ourselves, whether it's a personal story, a professional one, um, whatever it happens to be, you know, um, how we say something is as important as what we say, which is one of the things I've always loved about slam poetry. You know, it's, it's the delivery is what makes uh, makes the words come alive. It's uh, it's where I find the personality of the writer and the writing coming through. I also love slam poetry because it removes censors that shut many of us down. Um, particularly when I'm going into a school and I'm I'm teaching slam poetry to whether they're elementary school, or middle school, or high school. You know, everyone has a story. Everyone has something to say. And there's a few reasons that, you know, we tell ourselves why we couldn't or shouldn't. Um, Often, you know, this year, I've been starting off the sessions with uh, students who have never done slam poetry. I'll I'll, I'll start off with something along the lines of, you know, it's a a writing prompt It's going to be some days life feels like. And I'm like, let's just, um, let's just imagine you know, a list of, you know, I'll I'll write bad on one top of one list and good at the top of what's going to be another list. And I'll just say, like, let's imagine um, different types of emotions or feelings. So under bad, you know, it might just be, like, sad. And under the good list, we'll start with, like, happy. What other uh, emotions or feelings do we experience would would be my first question because I like to get... um, the room filled with voices with ideas with words um something like this is a simple kind of uh th- there's no real wrong answer right so often it'll be like depression discouragement um frustration anger and then often like the 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 list of bad emotions or feelings Um, which are just really the more complicated darker colors of our emotional spectrum Um, usually that is three times or four times as long as you know happy excited amazing whatever that they've thrown out on the other column and then often a student will go like wow like what why is that list so much longer and it's a great uh segue into the conversation around what emotions and feelings we believe we are allowed to share like we're all supposed to be happy and upbeat and excited and uh amazed with life and and full of determination and and let's hope that we are on more days than not but our story Uh, as humanity, our story as individuals, as couples, as communities, cities, countries, the world, uh, it includes all of those other colors and those feelings and emotions. And if we tell ourselves, well, I'm not allowed to share those and talk about those, uh, you're denying uh, the value, you're denying the whole part of your story that has these darker colors in these chapters and so I would say you know in a room if I'm in a room with 20 or 30 people I guarantee you somebody is having a great day maybe they've tried out for the team and they made it maybe they got great friends maybe they had a crush and they've told the crush that they like him and then the feelings were reciprocated and everything's amazing I know that there's probably somebody having a day like that in a room of 20 or 30 people. In a room of 20 or 30 people, I know that there's also somebody having the worst day of their life. Maybe they tried out for the team and they didn't make it. Maybe they told their crush they liked them and it wasn't uh, returned. Maybe they don't have any friends and they're super lonely. Whatever chapter you're in of your story is valid. It's important, uh, not just for you. But for people around you, and even if you have great friends, great community, um, where you could talk about anything, when does it just comfortably feel like you could just say, hey, by the way, you know, I'm super depressed and discouraged, Um, or I'm feeling lonely, or I kind of hate myself, or I'm feeling self-destructive, or whatever, you know, like, when is it just naturally um come up that we 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 have these opportunities to share this whole part of our story. Often we don't. And so here we are where we are we have all of these um feelings and emotions and experiences that make up so many parts of our day and for so many of us we either tell ourselves, well, I can't share those that's inappropriate. I have to be like upbeat and positive. Or um, we we yeah, we don't. Uh, we don't. <clears throat> beyond not feeling like we could talk about it with other people, we maybe we're embarrassed about it. Maybe it feels like we're failures or whatever. That's how a lot of us feel. And so, if I come into a room and I'm like, "Hey, everybody's got a story," you know, uh, everybody has something to say. Many students feel like they can't for those reasons and then also there are these things called sensors um that define um we use often many of us use sensors to define what we believe we're capable of so uh sensors are often things that we struggle with so in in something like slam poetry that could be um maybe a student struggles with spelling or grammar or punctuation i struggle with all three to this day um, and those struggles could leave you feeling like you can't do creative writing, but then slam poetry comes along. I walk into your class and I'm like, Hey, you know what? Slam poetry is different from traditional poetry, which was written to be published online or in a book or a journal and, uh, your audience Uh, was going to read it. That's the way they're going to experience your writing. And so, of course, punctuation and spelling and everything else are super important if you want them to understand how you wanted your words to be read. But in slam poetry, nobody experiences it unless the poet reads it. So nobody's going to read it but you. So if you know what you're trying to say, don't worry about it spell words. However, we don't actually even use commas and periods exactly. Um, I teach students how to write a performance copy, which is much more like point form Um, If you were to look at a performance copy, a piece of paper, it's like if I want a whole list of words to go really fast and long and I don't want to take a breath, I'm going to write those all on one line if possible. If I can fit them all in there so that when I'm memorizing or if I haven't even memorized my slam yet and I get up in front of you, I realize when I get to that line... If there's a whole ton of words on that line, just take a deep breath and just give or say them as fast as you can. If there's a dot, 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 to me, that means pause, means a little bit longer than a pause. And that's where you want your audience to you give them a moment to uh, think about what you just said or to anticipate what you're about to say. So in the, in the world of slam, I really like this because it, it gives us an opportunity to, to value all the chapters of our story, emotionally um, and socially and everything else, what we're, what we really want to write about. So something like, you know, some days life feels like, if you want, if you're feeling like a train wreck, if you're feeling like uh, you're stuck in traffic, if you feel like you're, um, you know, the winds in your face, the windows are down, tunes cranked, you're flying down an open window, if you feel freedom, and excitement, if you feel depression and discouragement, <clears throat> whatever your day feels like, you are allowed to write about. In fact, that is the only thing you should write about. Um, so it gives us this opportunity to write. It gives us permission to write about whatever it is that our story is about. It also gives us, I'll course teach them, some ways that I would approach creative writing, the ways that many uh, writers approach creative writing. Um, so that you find a way to figuratively work it out. It's so funny. In one of the schools I was in a couple months ago, there was this one eager young elementary student, and he really he wanted to write. I mean, he did. He wrote quickly. He wrote quickly and um, and a lot, but he was so literal. He could not get the concept, capture the concept of um, using imagery. So he'd be like, some days life feels like, you know, a train wreck. He, He took that from, you know, one of my writing prompts because my brother like John punched me in the head in the back of the head on the school bus and it hurt right feet, like and then he just goes very literally into tattling on his brother for beating him up on the bus and I was like hey man like this is your experience as a child maybe we could write about the feelings and the emotions and how you know without necessarily throwing your brother under the bus um And make it, you know, with imagery, something that other people could relate to. If your brother John hasn't punched them in the back of the head, um, maybe we could write this so that your experience says something to other people. But that particular kid could not wrap his head around it. And it was so funny because he just kept trying. He, He would rewrite it and he would still be very literal about his brother John. So anyway, I give them some... Uh, writing prompts, I give them this uh, <clears throat> some tools for writing figuratively, and then we have, of course, the opportunity to get up and perform, which is really just spoken word, is just with your own voice. Um, your words in your own voice, saying what you have to say in this world. It's a powerful experience for anyone of any age, and that's why uh, Poetry Slams create uh, a safe and supportive space to take a creative risk and share your story. That's one of the things, if you've never had a chance to go to a poetry slam, I hope, um, even if you have no intention of writing or performing, to go just once in your life and, and hear a room of poets who are able to bring their words uh, alive with their their performance and their voice and their body language. And it's, you know, slam poetry is different from from rap and and hip-hop because there's no music and there's no beats and it's not like theater or acting because there's no costumes or props it's just about words well that safe and supportive space to take a creative risk that creates a creative culture in classrooms or wherever uh, it happens and it changes everything for everyone so that is uh that's one of the things about you know sharing a story <clears throat> even this story about this podcast, you know I being creative, I've made a point of um, pursuing creativity as a as a lifestyle as a metric for success um, for facing the challenges in my life, for celebrating the successes in my life um, <clears throat> and I and it doesn't come without, um, chaos and and confusion for sure. Um, but I have to tell you, okay, just kind of changing the subject ever so slightly. Uh, within the last month, I had the most bonkers uh, meeting and experience um that I've had in in a long, long time, probably since I left church um, re- and religion, you know, a decade and a half ago, or two decades ago, or however long it's been, <clears throat> because, uh, if I remember back then, everybody was, there was lots of meetings where everybody was accusing everybody of everything, and, and, uh, th- this meeting, um, I'd been up in, in northern, um, uh, BC, uh, working with an indigenous community, uh, filming for the week out in the bush, uh, for this project, and when I came back, we were coming back to the city. Um, I kind of just got dragged into a meeting; wasn't really having going to have anything to do with me particularly. Um, but I just I was there, and they're like, "Oh, I'll sit in on this meeting." And uh, it was a, a group of educators and uh, people, traditional language, uh, indigenous, um, traditional language. Uh, educators and they were talking about this curriculum that they were putting together um, to teach, you know, all these the, to help teachers teach um, this traditional language in Indigenous studies, and, and it was all very interesting. And I was sitting there, and and uh, creatively, I guess, one of these ideas uh, popped into my head as they were talking about, you know how they were going to make, the, somebody had said at the other end of the table, they were like, well, we want to make this curriculum easy for teachers to teach and interesting for students to learn. And so we're just trying to figure out how we could do that. And I kind of blurred out, I'm like, oh, you know, I've, I've written about four or five songs over the years, um, these school anthems that I do. And I, I said I've been in indigenous uh, communities and schools and I've been able to work with the traditional language uh, elders to incorporate some traditional language into the school the songs that I'm writing with the students. And maybe I could do that for you. And I, I was telling them about this um, song, Setsani, that, uh, which means be a friend in South Slavey. And I wrote this many years ago with uh, the students from Chief Sunrise Education Center at Calo Dece First Nation. And that song became a whole video. It became a, a game that we developed for the video. And it was all about anti-bullying. and And so... That song is really catchy. Uh, it's easy to sing. It's got a cool um, call and response part to it. And so I've taught that song to tens of thousands of students across Canada. Um, so it's like, you know, Setsani means be a friend. Hey, what, what does Setsani mean? Oh, okay, so anyways, this is, I'll tell the story, blah, blah, blah. And, then, and I'll keep circling back to what does Setsani mean? And even by the end of the first time teaching them song and we've sang through the song if at the end of that song I'll say like what does that mean most of that group will know it means be a friend in south slavic so i'm like you know that's just one word it's just it captures one phrase but you know maybe i could do that with you maybe i could write uh, some songs for your lessons that work with you and incorporate. I'm like, maybe you have a word in your language that means be a friend. Well, this lady at the end of the table, she immediately had the phrase or the word or the words that meant be a friend in in Beaver language. And so I was like, oh, see, that could be really great. And it was this exciting thing. So they're like, you know what? We're going to have a meeting with these educators uh, in a couple of weeks um maybe you guys could uh kind of join us via you know video conference and uh and be able to do that so this this is the meeting this first meeting that i was just kind of dragged into but then you know inspired me creativity creatively and and me sharing that kind of creative experience and idea got them excited and so it's like well join our meeting and let's talk about it so the day that I'm going to do that. I'm here in my studio. And uh, that whole day was absolutely bonkers. I'm trying to get this new program installed on my computer so that I can join this conference call. And it's not really working out. And while I'm getting set up, all of a sudden, I start having this health kind of moment. My In my right eye, I start getting these swirling kaleidoscope of lights that are that are kind of like they take my vision away and I I kind of freaking out that's pretty alarming then it goes into my left eye so pretty soon I'm like whoa what is going on like what is happening to me that lasts for maybe five or ten minutes um and I I kind of it goes away and I go call like my optometrist I actually don't know you know what is happening to me so I call this optometrist and and I describe to them on the phone what is happening and, and they put me on hold, get the doctor. The doctor gets on the phone, asks me a number of questions, says, no, it sounds like it could be this thing called like a halo migraine. And if that happens at the back of your brain, uh, it can affect your vision. And that's kind of what, you know, so, okay. So I'm able to see again, I come back, this meeting is starting. I still haven't been able to get my, my thing to work i can hear the audio but when i try to join the meeting my camera's not working and i got three different cameras and and i'm you know trying different ones and i'm plugging them in and and i still don't feel totally right um this whole i can see but i still feel kind of like wonky or whatever anyways eventually the meeting starts and uh so I basically say what, you know, that conversation that had happened a couple of weeks earlier, I kind of recap that because now there's a whole bunch. Of, I can see everybody in this room. Um, there looks like there's maybe 15 or 20 people in this room around this massive uh, conference table. And uh, and I'm on some screen that they can't see me, but they can hear me. And uh, so I give my little, you know, it could be this, it could be that. And this woman, this is the most bonkers thing that's practically ever happened, Um, this woman who I don't know who she is. I think she's a teacher, but I don't know what her name is. Never met her before. She launches into essentially a TED talk kind of a presentation that begins with the problem with Rick Leaf is, (laughs) and then she launches into this really, um, passionate kind of presentation about what's wrong with me. And I'm like, this is the most bonkers. I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody else who's listening. But um, it was really incredible. And she cites, uh, because I've never met her, we've never talked, I have no idea where her... um, where her perspective is coming from, I don't know what she thinks that she knows about me or what she think and and it was basically boils down to, yeah, Rick goes into these schools and he and he writes these songs, but then he leaves, and it's all about him, and it's not about the kids and I'm like, what do you expect an artist in residence is gonna do, but work with the kids in a school for a week and then of course I have to leave. Um, anyways, one of the funniest parts was um, this one school that she cited. And I don't know why. I don't know if she works there. But she said, yeah, this uh, school, uh, Central, uh, he writes his stuff and then he leaves and that's it. And and I'm <clears throat> I, I honestly, I can't do better uh, at um, encapsulating her TED Talk because I'm still trying like my my sight and my vision was still kind of wonky my balance was a little bit wonky my camera's not working I'm trying to troubleshoot this whole time that I'm listening to this uh, presentation about what's wrong with me and uh and then try to respond to it in a way it was funny that particular school um it was it was called Central it was um the arts school in the city and uh the the funny part about it is that the songs I wrote in that school, I haven't been there for years. Uh, the songs that I wrote, there were amazing. They really were epic. That was one of my favorite schools ever to go to. Um, it was known as the arts school in that city. And when I first started going there, I did, t- um, slam poetry for two years. And when they booked me for the third year, I called up the principal. Her name was Janet. She was amazing. Really, really respected her. And uh, I said, so just are we still doing slam poetry? or Do you want to do something else? And she's like, I don't know. What else do you do? I'm like, well, I do songwriting and video production. She's like, hmm. She said, now these are her words, not mine. <clears throat> she says, we're the arts school, or known as the arts school in our city, And I don't know that we're actually doing anything that sets us apart from any other school. So could you come in and write, like, a really big, like, school anthem and incorporate, like, all 360 students in the school? And could you make a video that would go with that, that we could share in the community that would really highlight, you know, that we're this art school? And uh, so we did. They had this uh, poster on the wall. Well, They had two posters that really... um, were the catalyst for the kind of, that's the song that we wrote. It was called Changez la Monde, um, Change the World. <clears throat> One poster said, it was this massive thing. It said, you know, change your words, you can change your mindset. And then they had another um, poster on the wall that uh, was built around this acronym of art. So it was like acceptance, respect, together, security. And so we incorporated their motto that was on the wall about, and it was a, a, also a French immersion school, so we did that in French and English. Um, <clears throat> mindset is a kind of a bonkers kind of word to include in lyrics, so it was like if you change your words, you can change the world. Uh, so that's how we ended up with that song, and, and it was epic. And that led to four years in a row writing these songs like Écoutez notre histoire. Um, Tune pas sol sol. I don't know how to say any of this. I'm saying it purposely. Uh, and then, ecole du monde meilleur. École du monde. The reason I'm trying to say that in French is because I don't speak French at all, and that's my point. I've written songs with uh, French schools, with South Slavy, with Oneida, uh, songs in Spanish with Spanish teachers. Um, I don't speak any of those languages. Uh, Clicho, another one, and uh, I love learning from people, and I love uh, the process of uh, learning from the elders, and also from the students, saying, look, I I can't say this correctly, so it's really up to you. You, This is your, not only is this your right to bring your language uh, to this song, it's your responsibility. I can't do it for you, and uh, those songs were so successful, in terms of engaging all of the students. They were really catchy. They were great to sing. Um, the families and the teachers and everybody loved it. That very first song we had um, made uh, in Friday afternoon in the gym. We got in there to to record with everybody singing the song. And we kind of made the center aisle so that it could be kind of like Soul Train, where these kids, and we had different students that were, had been uh, arranged beforehand that in the, at some point in the song, they were going to start dancing down the middle of this aisle. And, and I usually record the songs three times to make sure I got a good take and lots of camera angles to choose from for the video. And at some point, the VP came up to me and said, Rick, if all of these students are dancing, do you think maybe the, the staff should also dance through the middle. You know, I'm like, that's a fantastic idea. So the next take the staff dance through, um, many of them, not all of them, but many of them. And it was so, There was just such a great community feel and vibe. And, uh, and they said that. Teachers said that for years. They were like, you know what? That was a turning point for even team building with our staff. We'd never done anything like that. It was so free, it was so fun, um, just a lot of joy and sharing that experience. And so um, we did that for four years in a row. And the principal, you know, I remember coming back one year and I'm like, what happens when I leave? I actually asked this very question. I'm like, what happens when I leave? Does does anything happen? And he said, oh, yeah, we use these songs all year long. Every time uh, we have an assembly, we play uh, our song over the intercom while all of the classes are filing down to the gym and they're all singing the song that they were part of writing uh, as they're coming through the school and and as they get into the gym, it just gets louder and louder and louder, and he's like it's a really great way to um, keep reminding ourselves of our core values of the things that make our school a safe and supportive space for everybody it helps focus us it's really great. We use them all year long <clears throat> so it was really funny for to be sitting there listening to somebody criticizing. Um, a decision that they weren't part of and they didn't understand and the creative application of helping somebody tell a story, which is ultimately what I do as a songwriter and an artist in residence. I don't come in with a program going, hey, we're going to write a song about depression (laughs) or we're going to write a song about, um, you know, the buddy bench or whatever. I'm always asking them, what would you like to write about? And whether it's slam poetry, songwriting or the video, Uh, Creation. It's always about using creativity to help somebody find a voice to share their story and what they want to say. That's why I love doing what I do. I have written hundreds of songs for myself, I've written many slam poems, I've written a book, I've written articles. I have no problem communicating what I have to say in this world. Uh, so that isn't at all what I'm interested in imprinting on a community or a school. Um, I want to help somebody else find their voice and their language if they haven't yet, or to augment the language that they already have, to share it in a, in a, even another way, you know, in another creative way. So I sat at that meeting because I, you know, I should finish that story. That meeting ended... I was like, well, that was kind of bonkers. Um, I went into the kitchen, and while I was on that conference call, my daughter had showed up. She doesn't live here anymore. She'd showed up, stopped in to see the dog and have a little lunch, and I'm trying to tell her about it, and then I'm trying to tell her about this kaleidoscope of lights that had happened, and I I Google, what did I call it? Halo migraine or something like that, and I'm trying to read off of my phone, um, the symptoms or the, the kind of the medical description of what happens. And I can't, the words that I'm reading with my eyes aren't coming out of my mouth, different words or the wrong words, or I can't form the words or I start slurring the words. Now I'm freaking out. Now I'm starting to feel like, am I having a stroke or what is going on? And she's like, it's making my daughter alarmed, and she's like, do you want to go to the hospital? Um, and I, I'm i just like, no, here in the city that I live in, it's like, the, the literally, there will be a sign that says you're going to wait five to eight hours to see a doctor if you have to go to emergency. So I didn't want to just go sit there if that wasn't what was going on. So anyways, I sit there to try to keep reading out loud to see if it's going to get better, and then I start, I am not able to feel my hand it goes numb and it's cold and now i am convinced that i'm dying and uh my kids they just launched into action they they my daughter's calling her partner and and calling her brother and they come over and they're like yeah well we're going we're taking a hospital and they worked it all out and we went to the hospital and and hours later you know after a number of tests whatever i find out that that uh I didn't have a stroke. It was all of this halo migraine. If you ever have one of those, holy. Like, this is the first I've ever had. Never had anything like it before or since. I have no idea where that came from or how I can, you know, avoid that in the past. But, um... That day was bonkers. It was just the craziest meeting to have a stranger start off their TED Talk with the problem with Rick Leaf in the middle of this health crisis that lands me within an hour of getting off of that thing. I'm in emergency and they're doing like all these tests on me. Um, So I didn't have a a whole lot of time to kind of think about this until days, weeks later. And mostly I hate memes and I think that social media is proving itself all of the networks all of uh, they're all proving themselves to be useless and unhelpful in our life. Um, so I've killed most of them I've quit some of them. I, I've taken them off my phone I um, <clears throat> Instagram and LinkedIn are two that I still use. Probably detrimentally to my mental health. But one of the things about um, LinkedIn that I have found so funny is the use of these fluffy memes. I don't know whether some people are like, look, it's not like a social media place like it's about professional stuff and so but I don't really have anything to add to anybody's life so I'm just gonna keep posting you know those kind of memes that are just like you gotta master your fear or fear will master you you know those types of things that just turn a phrase say it one way and then they say the other way and they put it in like a script kind of a font with a with a soft lighting or maybe a pastel background I hate those things, they're so, it's like that whole idea, like we're only allowed to talk about the the feelings and the emotions in the one list, happy, fuzzy, um, <laughs> pastel. Like we're only able to do this. And I'm like, does this really help anybody? Like, is this based in anything? So I'm saying all of that because two memes did come to mind as I thought about this bonkers day and this crazy meeting. And one... Uh, was don't take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from i loved that and i thought about that in relation to this meeting uh and the second one that came right on the heels of the first one was uh, stop worrying about making everyone like you you don't even like everyone which i thought (laughs) was (laughs) also very true uh, so don't worry about it. don't take criticism um, when somebody doesn't know what you're all about and what you're doing and why you're doing it um if If a person launches into an attack on you or anybody else i um they're not the kind of person that you know is set up to to give uh solid actionable advice based in you know reality, essentially. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about them uh, liking you or not liking you, uh, because yeah, quite honestly, uh, there's a whole bunch of people I don't like and don't listen to. So here's the deal: this podcast, starting out about celebrating, you know, I when I when I say that it did didn't work out, I didn't want to sit here by myself and talk to the three of you. <laughs> I had a a better, bigger vision for what kind of revolves around the experience of being creative, because being creative is about risk-taking. It's about flying by the seat of your pants. It's also about being very um, purposeful and um, intentional about the decisions um, that you make, about really taking stock of your creative skill set and your experiences and your education and uh, and bringing all of that to bear on the problems that um, are are facing you, whether it's here at the beginning of the year or just you personally or professionally or whatever else. I was on the hunt for somebody who would join me um, and share their experiences. And I realize there's a couple reasons. You know, all those things that I said are right off the top. Some people don't believe they have a story. Some people don't believe that their story would um, have any interest to anybody else. Other people compare their story or the way they would share it to somebody else that they like, which is fair. It's, it, we all have people that we like, comedians and artists and movies and actors and painters. We all have a style that we like. And maybe it's even human nature to want to emulate that or be like that. But often, you know, the people that I like, um, I'm not like them at all. I just like the way they uh, have found their personalities to tell their story or or their perspective on the world, which is all I wanted to do. Uh, I realized that that was hard. I wasn't going to be able to find. I, I asked a bunch of people and they just never really resonated with anybody. The other part, I thought, well, then I'll just share my successes and my failures and struggles. And I also get why that's hard to do. It's hard to share your failures or your struggles without feeling like you're whining or complaining, um, uh, w- which is even this story with this uh, this craziest meeting I've ever had. <clears throat> uh, I never... Uh, to me I wanted the story to be a kind of how bonkers that whole morning morning was and that whole moment and and also just like the takeaway uh, of those sort of like criticisms going to come from someone normally people who you know and work with and have cause and reason to see you every day and have such a strong opinion about you. I think it's kind of rare that strangers, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe in this day and age, maybe we just have really strong opinions about everybody, including people we don't know. Um, that's kind of stupid if you think about it, but anyway. Uh, and then the idea of, uh, Stories, so this was this was my takeaway that for myself that it was like <clears throat> if I can 't find somebody else who wants to sit in and share their success and failures, then i 'm going to do it myself. fair enough, and I want to share both, but it 's really going to be the stories, and that 's fine because what i 've learned is you know you could try to live a small story, and by small story, i don 't mean being content. Um, with your lot in life or that you don't, you know, I don't mean small as, as insignificant. I mean small as in never dream, never risk. Try to isolate yourself or insulate yourself from disappointment or criticism because criticism and disappointment is inevitable. Those chapters, those days from that list of like sadness and frustration and loneliness and despair, those are part of life and how we deal with those disappointments and that loneliness is what defines us and our hope. Because hope isn't tethered to success or failure. Success isn't, um, it's it's buried, hope is is buried deeper than our darkest fears. You know, it flies higher than any momentary success. Um, It just transcends that. It's a bigger thing. And that's, the part of life i would love to continue to explore hopefully um, you know as i was trying to think how am i gonna do this you know how how am i gonna well, and, and something that somebody uh, just said the other day in passing really jumped on me they're like done is better than perfect and that's how i feel about this podcast getting an episode done sharing it is way better than sharing it perfectly or perfectly mapping out how I want to say everything in the best possible way. That that doesn't exist. So here we are, completing something, sharing something, that journey. Man, I'm so glad all three of you are here. (laughs) You guys rock. You're the best. And I really love Ian McKellen's little reel recently that I saw on Instagram where he's talking about calling people love. Where are you off to, love? I don't really get it. I love that, you know. Thanks for listening, love. Yeah, I'm gonna try that out. I'm gonna see if I can make it my own in some way. So, hey, we're in it together. All four of us. Me and the three of you. Because being creative, it's a mindset, it's a lifestyle. This I still believe. It produces an energy that empowers resiliency and the confidence to face the challenges that life throws at us, all of those dark Um, lonely chapters, as well as the good, happy, um, festive ones, and it's this process that creates momentum, and it's what I want to create and carry into this uh, next season of life. I hope it is for you as well. I hope you enjoyed today's little episode. Um, Feel free to leave a comment or ask a question, because we have to remember, we're capable of of infinitely more than we give ourselves credit for. So until next time, carry on, love.